What? Hey, um, so just out of curiosity, why did you big time Caleb and not go on on the wrong lead? Because Caleb never asked me because he's think he thinks he's way too big time for me. Oh my god, that bastard. You want to know what's funny too is uh Caleb messages me. He's like, hey, he's like, I think I could probably get Caitlin to come on. I was like, let's go. And then nothing. He, and he never asked me. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I uh I asked him right around Breeders' Cup, and then mm -hmm. I kind of didn't press the issue because I'm like, oh, I'm like, Caitlin's probably doing like 30 million things. in the goat zoom room good to have you back and we are happy to be here joined by some fabulous guests um andy i'll go ahead and let you introduce everybody and let you have the first word i get the first word yeah we're it's we're, we actually know these guys from just like doing messages and all that but it's on the wrong lead and it's mark captain caleb i don't know his last name and cherry drink so <laughs> you know none of their names. I don't even get a first name. It's fine. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb, Caleb West Virginia University. Um, but thanks for coming on, guys. I know it was short notice. Um, the only thing I'm upset about is the fact that Brian Duransky is running late like usual and probably won't be on. Um, kind of like his, kind of like on um, kind of like his uh, podcast horse racing jerk. Dude, I'll tell you, man, Brian has been just like got life run bad the probably like the past like three months with just personal, with professional, and then even tournament play this weekend. He uh, he had a couple of uh, oopsies and yeah, I will. Well, hopefully he, he makes it. But I know he's been uh, he's been uh, he's been all over the place past couple weeks. He's, well, he's that's not what we like to hear. He's one of the good guys. Right, I think so. <laughs> Everyone gets quiet. No, yeah, I was. I spent uh, most of Saturday with him. Uh, we were up at uh, Prospect Heights OTB in Illinois. They had Hawthorne had a big contest. Um, met up with him, uh, a couple other guys from our chat, John Lloyd and Mike. I forget what Mike's Twitter handle is, but uh, uh, the four the four of us and uh, John Lloyd's dad we were up there. Uh, you know, spent the day there, met Papo too from uh, the shakeup. Uh, so it was a good time. Uh, it, was, it was nice to, you know, that was my first time in OTB in probably about uh, two years. So it was nice to get out. Yeah. yeah I was, go ahead, Caitlin. I was going to say it's certainly been nice to be back at OTBs and back at the track. So everybody's been back to the track, right? Yeah. I've track. been to the track more this year than any other year. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think I can tell you any open OTB anywhere near me anymore. <laughs> but uh been to the track, which has been nice. So sorry. How many of you guys are in Chicago and where else are you guys from? I live a little bit east of Saratoga Springs, a little east of the track. I can be to the Saratoga racetrack in 20 minutes from my house. So um, that's kind of how I got into horse racing, you know, being super close to Saratoga and kind of growing up in that scene. Um, and then Caleb's down south. 
Yeah, I'm down uh, right outside of New Orleans right now. Uh, Mountaineer will always have my heart, but uh, Fairgrounds is my uh, my backyard as of right now. So you're yeah, and I'm just outside of Chicago, so. Yeah, Andy, I'm uh, I'm about 45 minutes outside of New Orleans. Ooh, wish I would have known that last week. Were you down? <laughs> I was down there. Oh, actually, I wasn't. I was uh, I was back home for Thanksgiving back in Never uh, mind West that. Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, though. And Josh, you're in Chicago, right? Yeah, I'm just outside, uh, just outside Chicago in the suburbs. So uh, we always we like to just kind of wing it with our interviews and all that, and kind of joke around. How did you guys get involved in horse racing? Yeah, the guy was saying I, I kind of grew up around it. I had an aunt who was dating an exercise rider and as like a you know seven or eight year old had backstretch access at Saratoga and kind of you know grew up in that scene for a few years and got really into it. Just kind of uh, you know fell in love with the sport, fell in love with the you know the puzzle aspect of it, and um, kind of snowballed into what it is today. Josh, Caleb, I don't have anything nearly as. Uh you know, romantic as Mark's story, but, uh, mostly just from my old man. So my dad's been, you know, he grew up around horses. He you know worked at tracks a little bit here and there. Um, you know, so he's a big time horse player. Yeah. I kind of watched him growing up and I guess the, uh, the apple don't fall too far from the tree as Josh likes to say, whenever he hangs out with us. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oddly enough, I didn't really get into it with family. I mean, my brother, my brother's a horse player, um, a little bit, and uh, once he saw I got interested in it, like it was something that we kind of did. But actually, I had a buddy at uh, work who like found out that I went to Vegas like three times a year. And he's like, hey, he's like, you like to gamble. We're doing this derby pool. Like, why don't you toss in some money? We're, we, they try to hit the Superfecta every year at work. And so I was like, oh, OK, whatever. I'll toss 100 bucks into the pool, whatever. And, uh, you know, this was this was the year justify won the Derby. So what is that like five years ago, four and a half years ago. And uh, I'm just like, well, I should probably like look into like what I'm even going to be watching. And so I started kind of researching things and then just, I mean, like anybody else, probably I went on an absolute heater the first month I was playing. And like, I was like, this is the easiest game in the world. Like I was up, I was up probably like a thousand bucks in my first like month playing. And I was playing like, Two dollar win bets, two dollar exact boxes. So, what? I mean, I was just absolutely just on a heater. I hit the the trifecta for at the Preakness for I think two dollars, and it paid like eight hundred bucks or something. And I was like, oh, this is a piece of cake. And then uh, I proceeded to lose all of that and more over the next like eleven months, uh, pretty steadily. So, uh, kind of been chasing chasing ever since. One early and. Uh, you know, just, it's got, it's got a hooks in me. So you're like this advanced into racing and you only got in because of justify. I, that that's when I got into it. Yeah. I got into it because of a derby pool that year. You could have easily fooled me and said that you grew up in the sport. Honestly. No, I just like, honestly, it's, it was just one of those things that like, I just kept on, I just kept on watching, kept on reading stuff. And so like, it's funny because like Andy and I, I give you crap all the time in our group chat and, uh, and, uh, some of the other older guys, you guys mentioned ah. something from 10, 15 years ago. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I call you guys boomers and who knows what else. And then Caitlin will pull out some weird, like, 
like she does her uh, what do you who am I's and stuff like that. I don't and do like, those anymore because nobody <laughs> wants to answer them. So I'm just like, all right, fuck you guys. We're not doing this. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what really crazy? You know what's really funny? I haven't. I've literally had to use the explicit label the last three weeks because of Caitlin <laughs> dropping the F bomb. I, I'm sorry. That's okay. I didn't know there was an option not to use that label. Oh yeah, we with the way we do with who we use as our as our podcast um, provider, um, they have a label that says, "Is this thing explicit? Is it good for kids?" And I'm like, "Dang, I gotta put the no kids thing on it." Um, I I better be careful because I'll start getting in trouble. I don't care if you do it or not. I'll just put the explicit. Like I really care. Like our three listeners are gonna care. The three listeners in Chicago who like you and hate me. Why would people like me and hate you? They like you. That's what Brian said. I don't know why. I have a very abrasive personality. Do you guys think she has an abrasive personality? Yeah, I'm going to jump in and answer that one, Tree. Look at, look at Sorry. Andy. I haven't I haven't seen live racing at, at Churchill Downs yet, so I'm not going to burn that bridge yet. Oh, <laughs> that's a, that's a good idea. I'll burn it for you. Um, <laughs> so you guys started the podcast on the wrong on the wrong lead. Tell me if that's correct first, because I'm I'm hoping it's the right one, so people don't go. You have these guys on, and and you don't even know they're effing podcasts. <laughs> we did no research. Hey, funny, we don't do any research either. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, we we kind of just got started. So there's a there's a program called Discord. It's like a uh, like a chat program. If uh, you're not really familiar with video games, it might be a little weird because it because it was video game centric for the longest time until the pandemic. Um, you know, things every a lot of stuff started moving to Discord after you know that started. But uh, it's similar to uh, like the older school people might know, like IRC. Like it's just a big old chat, you know, uh, program. So there's a bunch of different servers and everything. So uh, all of us kind of met up on the same like horse racing discord. And um, just at some point we were just kind of like, you know, we got so many new people coming in here asking questions and, you know, like you can explain stuff to new people, but uh, you know, you get the repetitive questions and then you realize you look around like, everything's got YouTube tutorials nowadays, right? Like from, from changing the battery in your car to doing anything around the house. Right. But like you try and find something for, I don't know, handicapping a race or, you know, reading a form or something like that. And it's like, you got people like Thurograph who got like eighties VHS tapes that they decided to convert to, you know, an AVI file and toss it up on, uh, you know, on YouTube or, you know, you got, people who like tout their own product and stuff like that. And so we were just kind of like, why don't we start putting up just beginner videos? All right. From uh, Mark and I started with something as basic as reading a Brisnet, reading a DRF, uh, you know, using time form. And then, you know, we started just branching that out more to, uh, you know, Hey, what is pace? What is class? You know, even though class doesn't matter, um, you know, just all the kind of different facets of handicapping and like, it's constantly evolving, you know, new stuff comes out and, you know, we redo stuff, but, um, 
at some point we were just kind of all bored and we're like, Hey, why don't we just jump on and live stream on Thursday nights and look at Saturday's card. And so we've kind of been doing that pretty much weekly for probably about two years, maybe more. Um, and we toss in every once in a while, some like live betting streams and stuff and just, just kind of have fun. Um, and honestly, lately, what, what's been really great is we, we kind of switch platforms and um, we can see like people's chat really easily and like interact with people. And so we kind of try and make it into that, you know, try and make it into, you know, hey, yeah, it's like four of us on here bullshitting, looking at a Brisnet form and what we like. But, hey, what do other people like or what are other people thinking and, and tossing their comments up on chat and on stream and so uh, it's, it's been fun. We've been doing that. We, we have a podcast. Uh, it's kind of taken, taken a backseat a little bit because, um, you know, the, my, my usual host uh, has uh, moved on to bigger and better things over at ABR and uh, uh, Better Than Vegas and stuff like that. So um, it's been just kind of one of those things that with uh, the live streams kind of been our, our, our bigger thing. And so we've been really focusing on that. So who's your so for those that don't know who's who's your usual host? Uh, it's uh, uh, Chase Sessoms. Uh, he's the Wolf of Oak Lawn, so he's uh, he's all over it. And so he used to you know be kind of was part of us as well. Um, but you know he's he got he got a bunch of really nice opportunities. Now it's like go go man, just do your thing and and see what you can do. So I know like last thing he was out at uh, Breeders Cup with ABR. So he had some weird, what was it, clown or uh, clown or horse or something like that? Clown or horse name, I think. Yeah, yeah clown, or clown, clown or horse name or something. Yeah. yeah. So oh. he's trying. He's going the Caitlin Free route. Which is what? I don't know. I, that, was, that was supposed to elicit some kind of reaction, and it just it just flopped like most of my jokes. So, so the <laughs> one thing, the one thing that I'm always oh, sorry, I was I was like half listening anyway. <laughs> You fit right in. <laughs> wow, exactly. Um, the one thing, the one thing that I am, I am really, really like, I'm wondering, and I just lost my train of thought because, um, dang it, um, go back to me. I'll remember in a second. Uh, <laughs> I literally just had CRS. Um, where do you guys or what how how is it that you guys go about attacking a race? I think we're all a little different. We all approach a race a little bit differently. And that's why you know sometimes listening to the live streams are, are interesting. You know, uh Josh is gonna be more pace dependent. I'm gonna be definitely more of a, a speed figures dependent person. Um, you know, and Caleb is, is some sort of a hybrid of the of both of them. So, uh, you know, we all kind of have a different approach and, and how we're looking at the races using slightly different products. And we kind of, you know, we can kind of piece around to, you know, a, a, I don't know some sort of a group consensus. If we're all, all on a horse, we're all coming at it from different approaches. It's probably, you know, a major player. Um, and then if we're all, you know, six or eight deep in a race, then maybe that's a, you know, real spready race. I think it's just, it's, uh, we, we all kind of employ a little bit of a different strategy and a little different approach. And, you know, that's what makes handicapping really interesting is seeing all those different approaches and how some, you know, some people come at it one way and some people come at it a different one. Uh, I, I think Mark covered it. And then Brian jumps on at the end and just picks a different pick than everybody else. Just some <laughs> random bomb that he whips out. And yeah, it makes some no 40 sense. To one that raced in, you know, Ever the contrarian. we used to do a, we used to do a Saturday 
live stream on YouTube with Brian and uh, Rob Penifel, um, who is uh, who you got there. Yeah, who you got there, yeah. And they're both brilliant handicappers. Rob, Rob is probably one of the best at being able to narrow down horses and score on big ticket, uh, score big tickets on small budget. Um, I wish he would come out with some tutorial to, to tell everybody how to do it. The one question I just remembered, you know, you talk about discord, Caitlin knows nothing about discord. It's okay. all good for her. Um, then again, she also doesn't know anything about, um, you know, slaps giving or anything like that when it comes to how I met your mother. Um, but with discord, you know, I do the Reddit. I, I'm on Reddit for for the horse racing deal. That says, please don't pro please don't pimp your products. Is Discord the same way? Yeah, it, it is. We we don't want anybody touting their product. You know, not post. You shouldn't be posting anything that's behind a paywall. Um, you know, we, everything there should be. You know, that gets posted up should be educational and and free for all. And that's sort of how we've run Discord. Um, you know, but I, I, again, I think when you think about Discord, it's more of that, you know, OTB that's, you know, on the internet. It's that, you know, a lot of sit down, a lot of group think, a lot of people can bounce ideas back and forth. Because you got, you got, are you guys the ones that run it, run it? Um, I'm one of the mods for it. A uh, good friend of ours, Gary, is uh, the person that kind of spun it up and started it. And there's a few other mods. Um, Murphy, who's Greg Callywag, um, he's a big NHC guy. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's one of the mods as well. Yeah, it's kind of funny. What ended up happening was uh, it, it had been up for years. And then all of a sudden, at some point, we everyone realized whoever owned the server, like, just didn't exist. Like, they were just like, we're, we're never around anymore. So finally, someone spun off another one. And, uh, and I can tell you that, like, from that, like, you get private conversations that spun off. Like, you know, like, we have our on the wrong lead chat where it's just the four of us talking. You know, we got... I got private chats with like 20 other different groups. I mean, it's similar to kind of how Twitter is, you know, I mean, how many private chats you got going on on Twitter. Um, so it, it you know, it, it kind of fosters a, a community kind of thing, but uh, you know, especially during the pandemic, we saw just this huge influx of new people. Um, I'll tell you the amount of people that came in and be like, Hey, I want to build a model. How do I get free data? Uh, there was probably about one, one a day. Yeah. At, at least, least uh, at least one a day. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's, 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 you know, it, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. And like, we, we've had, you know, there, there've been issues with, uh, guys coming in there and, you know, posting like, Hey, crypto stuff. And, you know, <laughs> Hey, I have, I have this system, like pay for this system, you know? Um, and, and we try to kind of quell that and at the same time, you know, uh, at a certain point we, we, we stopped, I guess, advertising our own stuff so much uh on there as well but uh you guys are allowed yeah. to right i mean it's it's not like you guys are advertising stuff and saying come to our website to buy something right you're basically just saying hey look come and come and learn something new come and learn about this or better yet hey listen to our podcast or listen to this podcast because you know these are the these are the best podcasts to listen to as far as horse racing is concerned you make a very good point, Andy. I'll make sure to bring that up to uh, in our in our next meeting. 
you're picking at a scab that's been there <laughs> yeah, for uh, a number a, of yeah, years it's a, but, uh, it's right now you know, yeah. all of our content's free we don't we don't sell anything no um, and i don't and and you know i i jokingly post on twitter all the time right it's like you know you get you get certain touts right that are like i've got a 50 percent off deal because it's you know thanksgiving weekend thanksgiving week and black friday deals and Instead of paying me $200 for the year, you pay me $100 and you get all these tracks, you know, kind of like um, Bald Fat Guy Racing, right? Uh, yeah, I named him. Um, so, you know, number one, he steals the information, supposedly, allegedly, <laughs> um, and he uses it as, as his own, right? But why not just give the information for free? I mean, you guys do it. You guys put that stuff together. You guys aren't asking for money on it. You know, there's other ways to make money on the sites without having to do that. Yeah, and like, and that's the thing is, that, I mean, uh, you know, Caleb and I were talking with uh, with Tommy Mastis and Keeneland, and he, we were just, you know, bouncing ideas off and talking about stuff, and he was asking us about, you know, what we do and stuff like that, and you know, he just said at one point, he's like, yeah, it's like it's hard enough to make money on for a player to make money on this game, like with having to pay for data, having to, um, you know, having the high rake, right. Some States you can't get a rebate and like, why, why are you going to take money, more money out of the player's pocket, you know? And, and that's kind of the thing is that like, you know, when we do our streams, like, yeah, it's some, you know, depending on the stream, sometimes, you know, we get real in depth and we probably maybe give out some like, super high level uh you know super high level handicapping i mean I, Mar I know mark at least tries to uh and then we just incessantly tell him how wrong he is um but uh you know i mean it, at the in the end it's it's supposed to be fun for us you know like if it wasn't fun for us we wouldn't we wouldn't keep doing it and and we hope that even if you only take one thing away right or we put you on one horse at some or, or at least get you to rethink about something or rethink your process i mean that's really the goal like i i'm I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you to tell you I give out like tons of winners out there because most of the time, and I'll I'll say it on stream. It's like, hey, like these are like the five horses I like, and I'm going to use them in some some way. But you get a horse to scratch, or you know, it turns up wet, or it gets taken off the turf, and all of a sudden you have to you know you have to be fluid. So even even that, even giving out um, giving out information days ahead of time, I mean, it, it's tough. Well, you guys will be very proud, but I actually joined a horse racing discord channel a couple of days ago. So Andy, you can shut up. And I was invited to it actually. Uh oh, so, so uh -oh. how did you, how did you, um, add yourself to it? Were you, I love how she's, she just called me out on it. <laughs> like, did you add yourself as the queen, the queen of Churchill? No, it's my real name. And I made an account. Nice. It was for a contest. Oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so is it the same one that we're all in, or? No, it's a different one. Actually, it's a um, it's just some of the girls, and I think a couple guys. There's maybe like two or three guys in it that all got invited to. There's like literally ten or twelve of us. We're doing this is the first time they've ever done it. They're just like keeping track of it on Discord. It's a um fantasy triple crown draft thing our draft actually starts tomorrow nice 
I'm actually in a fantasy triple crown league. Uh, we just wrapped up our first season, apparently a different group of folks, but uh, it's a lot of fun. It's hard to get the rules right, but uh, it's I'm, a lot I'm of fun. I'm literally so confused. Well, I mean, we had one guy that, you know, his name's, uh, well, his username is Sammy Meatballs. And uh, he, his stable was like entirely European horses that never raced in the United States or got any points. So like, I feel like that might be the path you're heading down, but uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so. <laughs> Japan cup. I mean, whatever you got coming up down the pipeline, the Japan cup ran two days ago. So Thanksgiving's got me all twisted. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just surprised you're not in the horse racing discord one that everyone else is in. Well, I guess I must have mit- like missed that memo because, like I said, up until like we had the podcast with Ed, I was like, Pfft. I mean, I've heard of Discord, but like I didn't know what it was. I mean, obviously, I knew like it had stuff to do with video games, but I mean, I don't play video games or really like talk to people unless it's face to face or on Twitter or something like that. So when people started talking about it, I was like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Caitlin would be the second most famous female to ever grace Discord. Who's the uh, first? Candace. Candace Hare, yeah. yeah. Candace Hare just like popped in randomly one night uh, while everyone, and like, I mean, we were all playing uh, Australia, and she just like hops in randomly one night. So you got like 20 people firing away at Australia. And uh, she never came back after that one night. So that, that'll tell you how <laughs> huh. things went. She, she's um i love her to death but man she's really really um high on the minnesota vikings and it just seems <laughs> like a really really bad thing to be to always have hope and have it squashed oh trust me as a reds fan i know that well, as a Bengals fan i don't have hope so i'm good yeah you just gave up a long time ago i did it's all right, Mark. Like Mark cheers for like all like the whole, like the fair weather teams. Like, what are, what are you a Red Wings fan? Yeah, Detroit Red Wings fan. What else? What else? Uh, football. I know he likes uh, Alabama. Yeah, no, he's an Alabama, Alabama fan. football team. Yeah, I mean, I live in upstate New York. There's no like local sports teams, so you're you know you just kind of come the up Bills, with the Bills, the Sabers. Isn't, yeah, upstate, isn't Buffalo six, upstate New York? Hour, it's a six-hour drive to Buffalo. It's like a four-hour drive to New York, four or five hours to Boston. So you're just, you know, you know, another six hours to Montreal. So it's you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of bad. I mean, minor leagues probably would be good, but yeah. um, you know, how that's many how times? I became a Red, yeah, I became a Red Wings fan that way because their AHL affiliate used to be local. So they what. What angle do you got? What's your guys' favorite angle? Betting angle. Okay, here I'll answer for everybody. So Mark, <laughs> Mark just likes to bet any Tom Morley horse. <laughs> so if, if Tom Morley's training, then Mark, Mark is all about it. Oh man, actually Caleb's might be tough. Oh, Caleb loves the Z pattern. All right. <laughs> He's a big Z pattern guy, right? He sees a Z pattern, he bets it. And then I just about, bet. We're talking about thoroughgraph, right? No, this is like the running lines. Oh, so okay. like a, like oh. a horse that gets, essentially it's like a horse that gets shuffled back, right? Yeah. yeah, like the race within the race, the horse that loses ground and then you know has trouble shuffled back and re rallies. And I just bet the horse that gets out of the gate first. <laughs> Josh so, just loves him some cheap speed. I mean, and the cheaper the speed, the better for Josh. I've seen Josh handicap like an entire like 
pick five sequences with like three minutes to post and like what? have opinions on, you know, he just pulls up that brisnet and looks for that, the, what we call a, a three cherry special. Um, that's an E8 horse on brisnet, which is, uh, you know, on the querying speed points, like a horse probably going to be on the lead. <laughs> and, uh, that's, he's a simple man. So you, you do the, you do like the quarter horse, quarter horse angle, right? No trouble out of the gate, go run straight. Just bet it. Kendrick aboard. <laughs> E.T. Baird. <laughs> you guys, you Chicago guys, man, you guys, you guys should start some sort of cult in the name of E.T. Baird. Dude, I hit a nice double with that E.T. <laughs> Baird horse. That E.T. Baird horse at Fairgrounds on, was it uh, Wednesday? Wednesday or Thursday? I forgot what, but I hit a real nice double. And then I hit at Fairgrounds again. There was like a 26 to 1 uh, lone, sp- lone speed horse on the turf. Um, Fairgrounds is funny. You know, Fairgrounds has got that long stretch and everybody's like, oh, the closers get there. Closers get there because how long the stretch is. But if you've ever looked at the actual stats, it's, play- it's usually very speed favoring. So. I do well at fairgrounds usually. Well, it's just like um, Delmar. Delmar has a short stretch, and everybody thinks that speed holds better at Delmar. But in all reality, depending on what time of day it is, it, it that's a big indicator of whether or not speed holds. Don't tell me you're one of those high tide, low tide guys. So here's here's a problem with this, because I've been because I cut my teeth there, and I used to groom horses there, and I've been an assistant there. Yes, it is completely and truly true. <clears throat> Horses have a tendency to run differently when the tide is different there. Like we had, like Veal Vin is a perfect example of it. When Jude Feld had her, she hated Santa Anita, hated it. She'd go to Del Mar, she'd win every race at Del Mar. She ended up winning a a prep race for the uh, Chula Vista handicap. And then she turned around and she won the Chula Vista handicap beating light, light. So it, it's true. It, the later, the, the later the day, the better off horses that don't like the hard surface end up having a better hold of the track. So I, I am totally for that, but that's because of experience. I'm no psychopath. Like, it's just like indiana grand you know indiana grand you don't want to you don't want to you don't want an e8 the first three races of the day if it's a sprint because of the way the wind blows there because i mean that's that's more of a track maintenance issue as well over how they're working the track during the day isn't it which part which part i mean well, I would say probably both of them, both Del Mar and Indiana Grand, where they're they're having a chance to work the, the track a little more, and therefore you're seeing those biases develop develop as they work it throughout the day, and then it sets up overnight. Um, for Del Mar, the morning, so the way the tide works at Del Mar is in the mornings it, it's really cuppy, a lot of times because they'll do the track maintenance and then. They'll harrow it, and then for the first time they go around it, horses run fast, and then by around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, it it slows down tremendously. And then you'll see it pick up again because of the way they do the track. But the later it goes, 
the harder it is for them to keep that same level of 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 normalcy, I guess you want to say. Um, Indiana Grand has a headwind that hits on the backside on six furlong races and horses that get to the front. If you go look at video, if they're on the front end, they end up backing up when they get to the top of the stretch because they've been having to fight that headwind. And then the horses that have been sitting behind them, usually boomerang behind them and end up winning. Um, it's just something I've noticed and I've talked to a couple jockeys and they say the same thing. They use it to their advantage. I don't see you writing this down, Mark. <laughs> because he thinks I'm crazy. I don't think you're crazy. No, I mean, I mean, I, I, I've definitely seen tracks that do change during the day. I mean, Saratoga, which is home track, and I can sit there and watch how much water they're putting on the track and tell you how the track is going to change going forward. And I've you know messaged people in Discord like, hey, they're they're speeding the track up right now and doing it intentionally. Um, you know, you can see those things happen. I, oh yeah, I mean, Dan Anita's infamous for it, right? Hollywood Park used to be infamous for it, especially yeah. when they used to Hollywood, Hollywood used to be brutal. Yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood, you had to look. And also, depending on how much water it got, like during rain days or something like that, mm -hmm. you never wanted a speed horse because they had a hard time trying to keep the horse. They, they had a hard time sealing the track when it was a synthetic. So um, you have to remember, brutal. Josh has never heard of Hollywood Park. It's, it's that was this is well before his days. Hollywood Park uh, used to be like a uh, in the Chicago area used to be like a um, oh man, what's it called? Um, like a video game putt putt and go kart place. Great, uh, <laughs> little known fact. Hey, um. You know, you guys haven't asked Caitlin how she's done on how much she enjoys doing the Churchill thing and um, whether or not she's going to let us, like, sneak in. Hi, Andy. Uh, I, Arlington Park is my home track, so I will <laughs> not be uh, answering any Churchill questions or asking any. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I will, so go ahead. <laughs> okay, well... So how have you enjoyed your time doing that? I really enjoy it. It's been a super rewarding experience. Um, I do feel kind of like a loser, though. Other than Breeders' Cup weekend, they'll walk in and be like, Kayla, do you have anybody you want to give tickets to? And I'm like, no. So <laughs> nobody ever wants to come down and visit me, I guess. But um, no, it's it's been fun. It's It's been great. And I've really enjoyed working with Joe, Scott, Brandon, and James. Um, it's, it's nice. And I, I feel like I'm really contributing to their product because I mean, obviously they haven't had a girl in quite some time. I don't know if they've ever had a girl on there like full time, but, um, I, I don't know. I just think I bring something different to the table with the pedigrees and like knowing a horse physically. And like, I have good relationships with all the trainers and the jockeys. So I, I think I definitely add something to it because I'm not on there to handicap. I'm there to give the betters information that is not in the form. She definitely adds hair. Yes. Since you know, replacing DeRosa, I mean, that's what that's what that that simulcast feed was missing was hair. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and it definitely and it definitely got beautified too. No offense to Joey and all that, but you know, I mean, 
just out of curiosity, while while we're on the subject of Churchill, have you asked Scott Schaap if he's going to come on with us next week? I will send him a message right now and see if he wants to come on with us. Just while we're thinking about it, I will text him right now. Because, you know, we, we were trying to get Joey, De, Joey Decay on, and Joey Decay, and that never transpired for whatever reason. I um, forgot. Oh, Scott's going to be hard to get now after hitting that, uh, that right? pick six. Uh, I know he's big-timing you. Well, he's got, no, he's got no a he's got a gif out there too of him laughing in front of the money, like. Yeah, Scott. And he doesn't know what I'm talking about. I'll have to send it to him. Yeah, I don't know how you've never seen that. You're making fun of me for not knowing what Discord is, but yeah, Scott's got his own gif, and it's him like throwing money and laughing while like money flies in the background. Oh, I didn't know that. See, I don't even know how you find it on the search. Oh, yeah, it just popped up in the group chat. I was going to say, where did this come from? <laughs> We're on here giving away oh, group there chat it secrets. Is. I see. It. <laughs> um, so, CJ, so let's discuss how hard is it, how hard is it to get people to understand um, how to read a form when it comes to, like, the Discord? I think for newer players, it's it's an amazingly hard thing. I mean, there's just so much information on your average form, and trying to get your average person to come up to speed and really understand what they're looking at is it, it's challenging. You know, I, th- I think Discord does skew towards newer players and towards a younger player base, and a lot of them are coming out of things like sports betting, where they're able to you know get data that's very manipulable, and they can you know put it into a sheet and they can play with that data, and you know. It, horse racing is still very old school. It's very static data. You're looking at numbers on a sheet. You can't manipulate them. They're not in the product. So uh, it's a challenge. I mean, we've put out a bunch of videos on it and we still get a lot of questions that are amazingly rudimentary about uh, how to, you know, how to approach those types of things. What do you, what do you find is the most difficult thing for a first time player? Once they kind of get information, you try to, steer them toward a product that would be beneficial for them? I think one thing that gets people, and we see it a lot, is mixing sauces. People who, you know, they're using multiple different products and they're using multiple different speed figures and they're trying to come out with, they're comparing a Briz figure to a Bear speed figure. Um, And, or or they're, you know, looking at two different, you know, form products and, and they're trying to somehow, come up with some sort of analysis based on that. And, uh, you know, I think that's really challenging for newer players that this idea that, you know, every product has its own, you know, sort of secret sauce They have their own way that they come up with speed figures and you have to understand the strengths and the weaknesses of them. Um, stupid things like John Josh talks about this a lot. Briz very much overestimates, um, speed figures on longer distance races. So, you know, understanding those types of little nuances that come out that, um, you know, just, just take a while to learn. There's, you know, you can't come up to speed with horse racing quickly and, you know, and using any product definitely takes, uh, takes a lot of practice. I think there's even like a component to that. That's there's like the handicapping component. And then there's like a betting component. And I think there's plenty of material out there about handicapping. Uh, Not that it's easy because it is hard to pick up, but I feel like once you learn how to read the form, there's no one out there, very few resources out there that teach you actually how to bet intelligently. Um, you know, I see too many people that have bet for, you know, 20 years, you know, that are still making 
um, you know, win play show bets on heavy favorites and, you know, wheeling uh, three, four, five horse exact the boxes, including the top two, three, four choices, uh, just bad bets 90% of the time. Um, and I feel like that's probably the hardest thing to explain because there's kind of a lack of resources out there that highlight, you know, why some of these strategies are maybe not the best way to approach a, a certain race. So um, I'll, I'll mention the handicapper because, um, because it's a handicapper that um, I used to work for. But uh, Bruno DiGiulio, for instance, he always he, – his, his main deal is his two mantras are, number one, if the favorite is unbeatable, you play it and you don't worry about anything else and he's a single, which I, I find to be – ridiculous because on any given day a horse can get beat um but two he says as far as information is concerned that you provide to people you should never ever let them know that you're having a bad bad run of luck and i find that to be so so dishonest when it comes to providing information to to betters because i mean you have to you have to let them know hey look we're not having a good day we're not having a good week, um, you know, but um, you can get around. I think, you, I think even more than that, there's certain people are really good at certain tracks. And, and I think if you're, you know, a public handicapper and you're putting out their picks and it happens to be a track that you just suck at, but you're going to sell them anyways. I mean, I think it's you know dishonest to to do so and not say, hey, this this isn't my strongest track. This isn't a track that I really know well. I mean, Let's go around the room. Caitlin, what's your what's the track that you know you you know well that's in the States? Keeneland. Mark? Saratoga for me. Josh. I'll say uh can't say Arlington. I, I, huh? I, I can't say Arlington, right? <laughs> Honestly, probably fairgrounds. Uh, probably uh, Oak Lawn or Aqueduct for me. Now, why, now, now the follow-up. Why do you feel that's your strongest track, Kayla? Because it's the track that I most frequent. And it's just, I'm used to all of the horses there. I'm used to how the track plays. And I'm used to the people that run there because I'm there almost every day they run. Yeah, for, uh, for me... Yeah, for me at Saratoga, it's, I've been probably 20 years with the ROI data, and I can look back at that data and see when I've been good and when I haven't. And you know, it's again, it's probably also the track that I put the most effort into. I know all those little intricate connections and and how the how it plays. Josh, uh, so I follow the Midwest Circuit a lot. So like Kentucky, um, it's pretty basically I follow Kentucky and I follow Naira. And uh, so in the winter, when they go down fairgrounds, I already know all the connections and everything. Um, and the track, like I said, plays the speed, which plays to how I tend to normally handicap. So, Caleb? Yeah, for me, uh, I'm a pretty big bias player. Um, betting horses that are with a bias, betting against them next time out if they were with a bias last time in the race. Uh, Oaklawn and Aqueduct are both pretty prone to bias, especially Aqueduct in the winter. So uh, I made a lot of money on that this past uh, this past winter spring. What what handicapping tools do you use, guys? I use literally everything. <laughs> um, I get a lot of shit from the guys, but um, 
you know, I, I like to at least be familiar with everything, but for the most part, uh, I use Brezhnev for the past performances for the, cause I like to, I'm still kind of old school, little boomer with marking stuff up on a tablets or whatever. And then, uh, I'll use time form for the speed figures. I, I like the speed figures and the pace figures and time form. That's probably my two biggest. Well, we're talking about time form. We're talking about time form U.S. We're not talking about the British. Yeah, yeah. Time form. Um, uh, Josh. Uh, right now, I'm basically 100% time form U.S. Um, I I'll occasionally pull up the Brisnet. Um, I basically flip flop between the two. Um, I think if you if you handed me either product, that would be fine. Um, it's just right now time forms that I've been using mostly. Yeah, and I'm primarily, primarily a DRF formulator person for my primary product, and then I'm going to use Timeform US for speed figures. Um, and then sort of on top of that, I play a lot of tracks where you have a lot of maidens, so I do tend to like uh, clocker reports when I can get them. All right, and Caitlin. What was the question again? <laughs> she was trying to get Shep. Don't give her a hard time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He texted me and he said he will be on with us next week as long as we give him a good day and a good time. Well, then you got to choose that. Um, I will. My question to him, my question to you, the question to the group was, what what handicapping products do you use? Um, I use DRF and Brisnet. And um, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Just slip me. Um. Never mind. I thought she was going to say my eyes. Like, you, know, you know, she watches, she looks at the horses, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, the, the best. Thorograph. Thorograph. Um, I only use Thorograph for big days uh, because. <laughs> Me I just, too. I just think that at, at normal days, it's just, it's, it's a cluster. Nine out of ten times. The only time it's really solid is for Saratoga, I think. I think you can find some really good diamonds in the rough at Saratoga with, with Thorograph. Um, I use Brisnet because I think Brisnet's probably the superior product. Um, and the only reason why I say that is because uh, back in about, oh, I'd say about four or five years ago, um, DR, I was using DR, I was using DRF and uh, looking at the speed figures, looking at the buyers and um, a horse from Michigan Hazel Park, Hazel Park or one of those places, came to Keeneland and was put as a five to two favorite because it had run a 96 buyer, a 97 buyer, and a 103 buyer against um, lesser company than what it would ever face at Keeneland. And the public hammered it, and it was all because of the buyer. And the buyer was so far off, it wasn't even funny. Um that's my problem with buyers is that they, I don't think they realize how bad it is when it's at a superior racetrack. And I think it's a disservice to handicappers to provide information about that when it comes to that. Well, I think you have to, and it's something like Mark said, right? One of the, one of the things is you like, I think you got to find a product and stick with it and make it your main source. Like, like Caleb is, you know, got the Swiss army knife over here. But if if I just handed Caleb a Brisnet, like he would be fine, 
right? You know, if I just gave Mark the DRF, he would be fine. You give me, give me the Brisna, I would be fine. Um, you know, there's other stuff that, that you like to use and, and um, you know, you, you, you find that as you play more and more, right? Um, I've kind of take the opposite approach and I try not to use any additional products on big days now because what started happening is I would land on a horse and then I would look at something like a thoroughgraph or I would look at um, uh, what like I would look at well clacker reports are a little different but I would look at the thoroughgraph I'd look at DRF I'd look at all this other stuff and then all of a sudden my opinion changes and I mean I remember there was that Wesley Ward horse Who's that Wesley Ward horse? I lost all that money at Breeders' Cup. We talk about this all the time, Caleb. Still Water Cove. Water Cove. Still Water Cove ran this huge number, right, as a two-year-old and was coming back and was like 15 to 1 or 12 to 1. And I decided, I was like, man, I'm keying my entire day around that. And I chased that horse probably for about uh, a year and a half until it retired. Um, and I would have never seen that number if I would have never just like picked up another product after that but uh i think you're absolutely right andy because you end up with stuff like parks right you get figures from parks especially buyers are absolutely worthless like you you cannot use those to compare against anything else because it's either the track or it's the person who makes the figure for parks because you don't know right there's how many figure makers does, does the drf have right everyone's making their own figures yeah there's some kind of formula but there's still a human component to it. So you, you kind of got to get that in your head and, and you, you can only learn that by using product for a certain amount of time. Hey, I can trust the figures at this track, but this one, I got to be a little skeptical about, or, um, you know, you start to notice patterns and things like that, but I think it's absolutely right. And, and that's kind of why we advocate for sticking with at least with only just one product for a while and, and really learning it. Um, I mean, I, I usually recommend people start with Brisnet mostly because you can get them for absolutely free um, if you bet on Twin Spires. And if you're a small better, that 2 or $3 a track you save uh, is better than any rebate you'd probably get. So, uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, I'm sure Caitlin gets her breeze nuts for free now um, because she works for Churchill. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm... When it comes to like Australia, how do you guys go about playing those races as far as like gambling or, or watching or handicapping them? Caleb, have you ever bet a race in Australia? Um, very few. Only you know like the top tier races, pretty much. Uh, it's past my bedtime more often than not. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm not a I'm not a huge. <laughs> I use speed figures. Don't get me wrong, but I don't live and die by them. Like I have no problem tossing a speed figure that is the best in the field. If I just don't think it looks legit to me or whatever else. So to me, it's not that bad. Um, I can look, I look more at form. I mean, horses who are you know, maybe cycling into form after, you know, throwing a clunker horses who might be tailing off. Uh, you know, I, I bet against snowfall this year, like pretty much every race she was in because I thought she was continually going the wrong way. And uh, that, that was pretty, you know, rough at the very beginning, but after that, whatever it was, 17 length win, uh, it's been pretty, uh, pretty profitable because she kept going the wrong way. Um, yeah, I think overseas, a lot of it's related to the going as well. You know, you get horses that, you know, love to run in a bog or that need to uh, have a firmer turf course. And I think you know, that's something that the public can overlook sometimes. So uh, those are kind of things I probably look for a little bit more if I'm looking overseas. 
I find it I find it really interesting, and Kaylin can attest can can probably interject on this as well. Um, when it comes to when it comes to a place like uh, Maidan, for instance, Maidan is a visual place you have to look at races at. You can't because the pro the information they provide isn't as clear cut as say someplace like Europe. So, uh, in Europe, they have the time form and it's a lot easier, but I think there's a, there's kind of a skill to reading the time form in, in Europe. Am I correct, Caitlin? Yes, it's, it's quite a bit different. Um, and I think it's, you know, second nature to a lot of people that watch a lot of European racing. And just because the time form over there has been around for so long, I just think, you know, it's kind of easy to understand if you were showing it to somebody that's not experienced with it i i would definitely say it would be kind of hard to grasp but i feel like it's a little bit different than u.s time time form figures but i mean it's based off the same thing hey i mean you mentioned you like you mentioned maydan that's a track i love to play um you know during the winter but that's a track where you're looking for you know you don't have speed triggers normally to go by and what you're looking for is horses that are in, you know, have good recency, have had a good form as of late and horses that are good at getting across that surface. Um, you know, local horses there do very, very well. And you'll get these horses that will be shipping in from the U.S. or Japan or, or wherever and will not run well versus the local crop just because they handle it well. So that, that's a track that I've historically done very well at. Yeah, Until I, you get Matera Sky two years in a row. Let's not talk about Matera Sky, okay? He just retired well, yesterday. You won't have to worry about him anymore. Back to back, he gets nailed right at the wire. Crazy head case. <sighs> Are you okay? Do we do we need to get help? No, no, I'll get over it. Okay, good. Um, well, no, he's not okay. We'll, we'll um, make <laughs> you a chat in a second, and we'll just start plastering Matera Sky photos all over the place. <laughs> Um, no, I, I'm, I'm the same boat. Um, I love Maydan. I, I can, you can cut your teeth on Maydan and make a ton of money if you know what you're looking for. I think intent is also something that needs to be looked at when it comes to Maydan, especially when it comes to the trials, because they're trying to get to the big races, but they have to figure out a way to, to give the horse enough time. Um, North America is one that that comes to mind. Heavy metal um, is another one where those horses just sometimes they don't even care whether or not they win or not. They just want to get a couple races and know before the big race. And you have to understand how they train to it. And the local connections there is huge to understand that. Uh, and you're right. It, if you know the racetrack, it's, it makes it so much easier to play. Yeah, I'm a bit of a night owl, so I play uh, basically every Saturday. Uh, I have a date um, with a uh, a track known as uh, Shatin. So I basically play Shatin every every week, um, and I don't play Happy Valley because it's way too early. So Caleb, maybe you should get into Happy Valley because that runs, you know, What's Wednesday like mornings at like something? at like yeah, you're you're like in your third meeting by then. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I'm not going to joke around. I've done Happy Valley the last three weeks on the website, and it has just humbled me as a handicapper. It has made me question my ability to handicap. 
Yeah, I, I've tried a couple times because uh, I have been stuck in boring meetings at like 6 a.m. And I'm like, well, like, fuck it. Oh, shit. Uh, or I'm with Caitlin in the naughty seat, I guess. But uh, I, I've done it a few times. Um, and it might be the hardest track I've ever looked at. I mean, it's like, oh, my goodness, that track's so hard. Full fields and uh, you got the handicap system. And then you have, you know, two dominant jocks who can basically win on, they can just like win on anything. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but I'm telling you, man, you connect on a couple of things there and it's just like, it's like Ascot. It's like your Ascot, Caleb, you know, you connect on two bets that entire meeting and, and you're set. I think I hit a try one like Wednesday morning and it basically bankrolled me for like six months. It was like a 40 cent try. It was like a 900, $900,000 try. It was ridiculous. I think we gave one of those out during one of the big European meets with uh, Jessica um, and Caitlin and I gave out like the top three runners. I think it might've been Maidan for the, for the turf sprint with extravagant kid and, and all those horses, because I remember texting Caitlin and going, Oh, look at what we just gave out. And she was all excited. Yeah, because we had that um, random three-year-old or two-year-old that was in mixed in there that was like 30 to one that ran second. Yeah. So let's, let's get to, let's get you guys out of here before it gets too much later. Um, and we do thank you for coming on, but Caitlin likes to play a game at the end of this. And um, I got a question for you guys, uh, you older guys that have been around longer. But go ahead, Caitlin. Okay, so if you guys were horse owners, and I don't know if any of you are, if you could win a race at any track, where would it be? Yeah, I mean, I, I am an owner. Um, I've won one race at Saratoga, but um, I think still going back to Saratoga's winter circles and owner is um, is pretty darn cool, and I would love to go there on a you know on a, on a stakes winner. Okay. I'd say for the prestige, I'd probably have to go Keeneland for the purse. I might have to go Kentucky Downs. It depends on how many horses I got. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I think I'd probably say I'd probably say Keeneland. Keeneland was awesome. It was the first time I'd been there. I, we went um, for the fall meet, and uh, it, was, it was just a, a nice atmosphere. I mean, I, I love Saratoga. Saratoga was uh, – Saratoga's – a little bit more, even more modern than, than Keeneland is. And uh, I know people look at Saratoga as like, you know, old school, but a man like Keeneland is like, you know, taking a step back in time. But uh, yeah, my, my answer probably would have been Arlington just because it was here, but uh, you know, shame. So before Caitlin asked another question, I got to find this out. Um, and Josh, you can answer too, but Historically, what's your favorite horse, guys? I always say the one I always say is Groupie Doll. Um, I just absolutely loved her when she ran and uh, just the most game horse that ever was. That campaigned her super weird and, uh, you know, was never favored in either of her Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint ones and uh, won both pretty handily. I feel like that's such a hard question to answer because you know in modern like last couple of years anytime i start to get attached to a horse they retire before they even turn four years old and they have six races to their name um you know i know all of us are big fans of whitmore 
uh, the old sprinter gelding. We're all big fans of him. Um, I'd probably have to say maybe Blame, though. Uh, I was a big Blame fan. I thought he got a raw deal after beating Zenyatta and was made out to be the villain and all the negative coverage and whatnot. So uh, I'm a big Blame fan. Mark, who do you think I would answer? I have absolutely no idea. Caleb, you got any clues? My headset cut off for a second. What'd you say? Who do you think? Who do you think my favorite horse would be? Serengeti Empress. Ooh, Serengeti Empress is a good answer because Serengeti Empress made me a lot of money. <laughs> uh, but I would like this is going to sound real stupid, but the the horse that I always come back to just because it was really the horse that like got its hooks into me for racing altogether uh, is uh, a horse called Funny Duck. <laughs> on the Pat Day Mile, Andy, you ever like? I, I can't like like whenever I try to explain why I love horse racing, like just that feeling of being like feeling like you're like the absolute smartest person in the room when that long shot comes home, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I still felt like the smartest person in the room. Like you can't replicate that with with a lot of stuff, you know. Like I thought I was brilliant. Man, I bet Funny Duck back every other time he ran after that and uh, probably gave back about half of whatever I won on him that that first day. But that, that happens, though, like for first timers, like there were two there were two horses that when I was growing up at Santa Anita, when I was 18, 19 years old, one of them was a horse called Paisano Pete. And he was in the Richard Mandela barn for a very, very long time. And I got lucky enough to to like rub him um, one of his final years. But I would bet him all the time before I was even in that barn. And Bell Starlet was another one that that I would always bet. And um, Sam McGee out of uh, Ron Charles and Sanford Schulman's barn. Uh, those claimers that can make you a ton of money over and over and over again are the ones that I love the most. But um, I always go with Dr. Fager as my favorite. My dad showed me old videos and um, you could see him on, on YouTube, but that horse, that horse won Eclipse Awards for sprinting, for turf, for, for handicap divisions. I mean, he, he was just everything. And uh, I mean, I can get, I, I know what you mean about the funny duck stuff because I would, I do the same thing. If I like a horse and it makes me money, I want to keep betting it. Channel, Busy channel. three years off of the fucking minus one third graph <laughs> figure. Yeah. Busy <laughs> channel every time he runs now too. Or uh, any other, uh, any other rebelli turf sprint or uh, what was a uh, well-abled was another one. Well-abled. Uh, there was a uh, pick five at Churchill and I loved this horse and I, there were like probably like five other contenders in that race. And I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to single this horse. And the rest of us, the rest of it chalked out, but I hit it for like, like, uh, like 900 bucks, but all cause I singled this, this, uh, Ravelli horse in the first leg. And I chased that horse, uh, rest of the year. Once again, gave back most of it, but. Caitlin, what's yours? The horse that's kind of like my all time favorite. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, we've never. Is really Zenyatta, Caitlin? No, it is not Zenyatta. It's a game <laughs> on, dude. <laughs> oh, that's right. It is. You should see how she. You want to talk about someone who melts uh, and gets wooed? Just, just 
go to go to old friends and let her get near game on dude. It's like was, forget, forget Kyle, forget anybody else. It's all about game. That's my man. He is. He's awesome. He is my number you one. Really, you guys should really take a trip over to old friends and let me let me take you guys around there. It is so worth it. Have you been, Caleb? I know you were at a bunch of other farms. No, we did. Um, we did Claiborne uh, a couple of years ago, but uh, old friends, I want to do. I mean, I, I feel like you see one breeding farm, you, you've kind of seen them all, but I'd like to see old friends. Did you uh, get rodeo when you went to Claiborne? Rodeo? Yeah, the tour guide. Uh, she, I don't remember his name. That doesn't sound familiar though. Okay. I had to. I had to ask. He used to take care of Arch. Um, yeah, or arch, 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 is it? Um, okay. And then he took care of Run Happy and um, Orb. Yeah, I saw Run Happy and Orb were, were still there. Uh, I met Blame as well. That's another reason I kind of like him. Um, Warfront, a few others. It was before. Uh, it was the first year Run Happy was there in Stall 1, so whenever, what year, whatever year that was. Yeah, I think Orb used to be in that stall too, if I'm not mistaken. He was there for a while, yeah. Yeah. Any other questions you want to ask them about? horse ownership or jockeys or anything like that to make everybody mad no i think that'll cover it for now just for now huh yeah for we, now we should really get uh one weekend during like a big race meet we should try to do a simulcast with both websites and try to see if we can't put something together to to help the public out make bets and all that that would be kind of fun to do with you guys i've done it with brian and brian's really really good at it um he's a good handicapper yeah brian's a very 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 solid handicapper yeah i mean don't, see when don't... when mark talks about mixing sauces and the problems it causes i think he's talking about brian yeah but, i kind of am yeah but i'll be i'll be honest caleb caleb's bordering on it because i remember when we were at keeneland uh i would ask caleb something like oh who do you like here and all of a sudden caleb's got um like a touchscreen tablet so all of a sudden you see caleb go like this like he's like punching <laughs> all over the place, like clicking on like five different products real quick. And then he's like, oh, he's like, this is the horse I like. <laughs> Do y'all use uh, optics at all? I, I use optics a fair bit, especially at, you know, quote unquote, cheaper tracks, uh, lower level tracks. I do really, really like optics. Yeah, I used it in the past. I kind of got away from it. I feel like it made me kind of lazy. Um, I'm like, oh, like I just glance at it and I feel like I know how the pace is going to set up and it doesn't always work that way. But it's yeah, a good, it's it a good tool too. if you use it, you know, with scrutiny. I think I think the best way to use it is if you have uh, a green stoplight and cold or hot, super cold or super hot. Right. I mean, that's basically what that product's used for. Yeah. And it's got that nice tool that you can like sort all the races, so you can just get those those plot fits and uh, those pace setups if you want, and only see those races. Yeah, it, I, I'd like to get Emily on here. Um, I don't know whether or not our politics would, would mesh well, um, but I would like to get her on here and discuss the product. Maybe Caitlin can try to effort that one, too. I would love to. Do you hear the sarcasm in her voice? I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being nice. Man, she is abrasive. With that said, you want to lead us out, Caitlin? You can lead us out. Why do I have to lead us out? Because you said that. <laughs>
it has been an honor to have you guys on. I'm glad we guys we finally got to do this. Uh, you guys are a blast on chat. Um, I have the most fun with you guys, especially with Josh saying that I'm an old fart. Um, uh, but you guys, you guys are just as uh, entertaining on a chat as you are in person, and I'm glad we finally did this. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you very much. It's yeah, fun. We'll, we'll post this up probably tomorrow because I'm probably heading to bed because I've had a long day. And you notice Caitlin's the only one that didn't show her face, so that means she's probably in her PJs. I am 100% in my PJs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.